Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the cyber hub bunker in studio. You're listening to the CISO Talk Podcast. No sales, no bullshit, just straight talk. Straight talk. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. So, uh, Gary, let's kind of move to a a completely... um different conversation i want to say um let's have a CISO to CISO conversation a little bit um you, you talked a lot in in the veteran uh portion of this interview uh, about leadership but one of the greatest challenges that most chief information security officers face is in their leadership right it's it's being able to properly communicate not only to their own teams but across the enterprise you've written books about it you've talked a lot about it but what are some of the things that you feel like are necessary qualities for a CISO now in 2020 going into 2021 to really be successful across not only his own team, but the enterprise. Uh, um, some key skills and qualities. You know, the, um, I think, you know, one of the biggest things we're seeing right now for CISOs is, you know, almost all of us have some type of technical skills. We come from, you know, some type of a technical background. It used to be most of us, you know, came from IT or network type background and we came over, you know, to security. Now you've got people coming in from all different areas. You know, I still think it's, I still think it's really critical that you understand networks, not just on-prem, but also cloud, that you understand that flow of, how data flows through, you know, the way networks were built out, the way they're architected, how data is handled, just because it helps you better understand how things are going to be attacked. It better helps you understand, you know, um, when you're doing controls, what areas, what areas that you're covering, you know, so I, I think it's a good thing to have, you know, um, knowledge and networks. Uh, some of the other skills I think that are really critical are, you know, you have to be you know, good in communication being able to communicate, not just write, but be also being able to speak and, and also listen. Uh, the reason I go ahead and I bring that up is um, one of the biggest things I see a lot, cybersecurity is really all about managing risk. And when, you, when you're a CISO for a, you know, an organization, whether it's small or whether it's large, no matter 
how no matter how you slice it, you're gonna you know you're all about change. You're gonna change things. You're gonna change the way they you know the way the employees used to do things, which tends to piss them off. You know you're gonna rub it up against the business culture that may be ingrained or may have been there for years before you even got there. But you know even though you know that you're doing it for the better, that you're doing it to protect the organization to help them be able to scale and go do this new you know this this new thing that they want to do you know you're not going to get very far if you're not able to communicate effectively and you know so again communications is a very big thing not just communications but that listening piece is hearing you know and being able to you know effectively communicate why you need to do it and then be able to listen you know uh, to why you know, to you know, people who are giving you feedback. Another big thing is collaboration. You know, I go ahead and I talk about this all the time. Security does not exist in a box anymore. You know, we're not, you know, you know, the guy in the back room back here that the CIO brings out every once in a while. Now more and more the CISO role is a role where, you know, you have a lot more visibility. You know, there's a lot of systems now that report to the CFO or report to the board or report to some type of operating committee. Um, and so it's like, you know, having that l- level of visibility and to be successful at it means that they're requiring you to deliver, to get projects done, to reduce risk, to manage, you know, issues that compliance has found so that we can get SOC 2 certified, so we can get PCI certified, whatever it is, you know, um, and to do that, you can't do it by yourself. It's just not going to happen. You know, the security stack is so intertwined with the IT stack, you're going to have to work with IT regardless. Even if you don't report to the CIO, you and the CIO are going to have to work together. You're going to have to work with the other business units because really, as, as I mentioned, you're providing a service to them. You're managing issues that their employees, your customers are causing. You know, a lot of it is, is business or technical related risk. And you have to be involved with them to know about it, to know new projects that they're working on, to know issues that they're having. So you got to collaborate. You got to go ahead and be out there and be willing to talk and to go ahead and listen to them. And I look at the fact that you're not always going to get your way. There's sometimes the business is really going to outweigh you. They have to do it this way. They're making a hundred thousand dollars an hour off the e-commerce portal doing this, you know, and you're like, you know, well, I need to shut that down because I ran my vulnerability scanner. My vulnerability scanner says this, well, you're vulnerable, you know, of course the CFO and all them are looking at you like, you know what you could do with your vulnerability scanner. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's where you need to back it off. That's where the whole collaboration piece comes in and you got to look at, okay, what kind of secondary controls can I put in? Maybe we can go ahead and VLAN this puppy. Um, Maybe there's some other things that we can put in place to reduce this risk as much as possible so they can still go ahead and do their thing. And I, still stay employed (laughs) so it's it's that you've got to be willing to go and collaborate and work with people the whole teamwork piece many of us veterans already have that you know you've taken it up a notch when you come into private industry um because a lot of times you're going to find you know people in these various business units they're extremely focused on their bucket you know they're extremely focused on this is mine you know this is my money this is how we're going to do this thing where unfortunately cybersecurity, you branch across all of these various buckets and you're trying to figure out how to go ahead and help all of them and a lot of times they're squirrels they don't want to play together 
you know, and so you've got to go ahead and collaborate. You've got to communicate and listen. You know, you've it's it is it gets really interesting, and and these are soft skills that you know hardcore technical people don't have. But it's, you know, you've got to develop them. And if you're a good CISO and you've got some really good core technical people working for you who you're, you know, mentoring and leading them to be in charge of teams, you got to be thinking, okay, if they're missing some of these soft skills for them, for their professional growth, they need to get comfortable working with the other departments. They need to go ahead and start working on projects that are going to be, you know, matrix type projects where they're intertwined with other business units. You know, they need to go ahead and start being visible and to start speaking and working with people, you know, and start developing these collaboration and communication skills, you know, because eventually they're going to outgrow you. It's going to be time for them to leave and take that next position. And you want to make sure they're ready. Yeah, that's, I think one very understated quality for CISOs is listening. And I've been listening to you and you've said it like six or seven times. And I think we'll probably say it 10 more um, in, in the time we have remaining. But listening is so critical. Um, listening, like you said, fish tacos and beer in San Diego is a big thing, right? Um, f- fish tacos and beer and just let them talk about where they're going. The one thing I will tell you from COVID that I miss the most is those conversations, right? Those impromptu conversations because Zoom and Teams and all these great networking, you know, kind of communication tools that are out there is not the same as uh, sitting with someone for fish tacos or beer or grabbing a cup of coffee in, you know, in the break room or, you know, a beer for happy hour on a Friday. there's, There's aspects of communication that you get an idea of where the business is going as a CISO that helps you plan ahead and adjust your map and get your team ready to go. It looks like this team is working on this project, which we haven't been briefed on yet. Um, Let's go ahead and see what are we doing now? How can we streamline what we're doing to their project so that way we don't slow it down because it's really cool. It's probably going to be a game changer for the company or whatever that is. And and we don't don't often see that to be the case, right? Like uh, if we we listen more instead of talk would be able to pick up on those on those signals but we don't always unfortunately do that let's talk if you don't mind slightly on kind of beyond enterprise um beyond security let's talk a little bit about hiring and and, and kind of team building right um I do a bunch of podcasts, one of them with, you know, Renee Smalls, one of our mutual friends. And every Thursday we do something now called CISO Thursday, where I join him and, and Naomi Buckwalter also joins us, uh, for, you know, and, and we talk a little bit about breaking into cyber as CISOs, like, what do we care about it? Do certs matter? Do, do, does experience matter to you? What's, what's, the, what, what do you look for when you're hiring someone? Um, you know, depending on the job, you know, obviously there's a certain level of experience and stuff that I'm looking for because, you know, there's certain skill sets that I'm expecting because they're going to be coming in, whether it's an operational job or whatever. And I, I need to make sure that they can hit the ground running and be able to work well with the team. You know, but there's a there's a part of team fit because, you know, cybersecurity, just like in the military, the teams work extremely close together. We work 24 seven, we work long hours, long days together. Um, And so you have to be able to 
have that fit and know that you can trust this person to do get their deliverables on time to be there when it matters in the middle of an incident or you know to support you you know so the team fit you know piece is something that we really look at but another thing too i look at is obviously is not just the experience do they have the skills that i need but i also look at passion and what i mean by that is Okay, you get you've been in I you know you've been in security for six years, and your last six years has been basically you've been a security analyst at this one company, and all you've done is just this one job for six years. Then I look at somebody else, and they're like, okay, they were at this job for two years as an analyst, and then they switched over and they became an engineer at this company, and they've done four or five different projects under their belt, and they're also you know volunteering at B sides, and they also um, you know write occasional articles or do a podcast or whatever. That's passion. Number two is what I'm interested in is because of the fact that. One thing I've learned in cybersecurity is that there's a continuous education, continuous knowledge component. We deal with threats that are not static. Stuff's always changing. We're supporting businesses that are not static. They're dynamic and always changing. You know, many of the problems, many of the issues, many of the risks that the business generates that we have to go ahead and manage are constantly changing. You know, and we have to manage them, assess them, monitor them, you know. Um, and so I need people that don't that aren't nine to five, that aren't a box, that aren't, hey, just give me my little job and I'm gonna sit here. Instead, I need people where this is a passion, where they, they're continuous learners. They're always got their hands in and they're learning new things and they're expecting that the job is going to be that way. That, you know, and they're asking for it. They're asking to work on different projects, to work with different technologies. That growth, that's what I'm looking for. You know, um, and I don't care if you only got 60 to 80% of the skill sets. If you, I look at one person who sat in a cubby for the last couple of years, they've got all the skill sets that I'm looking for, but that's all they've done. And then I got this other person who may only have 60 to 80% of the skill sets I want, but they've done all of these other things. They got that passion. I can teach them. You know, and they will integrate with my team better because of how fast we move and because of the changes and just the dynamic aspects of what I look at and what I build when I build teams. And that's what I look for. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's such a it's such a pain point for a lot of people trying to come into cyber or people trying to advance in cyber, which is um, I, I like to call um our job description has an HR signature to it. You know what I mean by like H you're trying to fill a rec and you put in, you know, the job requirements, um, and, and the job description, and then you put in the hiring requirements. And, and I often always forego a four year college degree because I don't, you, like you said, passion to me matters more. If someone went and got their security plus and their network plus, and they've got four or five certs under their belt, they've been, uh, they got five years of experience. They started off as a, maybe a pen tester. Then they moved on and did something else. And then another thing I'm more interested in that candidate, but a lot of times I never get that candidate if I let HR control my job rec, right? Because yeah. they're going to add bachelor's degrees required. And I'm like, well, well, I, not really. Not, you know, we're, we're not, I'm not asking for a lawyer or an accountant. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
or, or even a project manager, right? Because I understand, you know, some project management, I've had the discussion with HR where they go, you know, it's not just a PMP that's enough. We want someone with a four-year college degree. We want to see that, you know, I'm like, and, and they made their case. And, you know, you can't win every battle. Like you said, you got to be ready to lose. And I lose that one. But like on other positions, I always fight for the fact and maybe not have a college degree. In your experience, has that always been a battle for you as well? Or am I the only one going through the, what I like to call the HR email signature on every job record. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had to, you know, what, what I've done is when I come in as a CISO and I've got job, you know, and I, they give me, hey, you, know, you can hire a couple of FTEs. I write the job recs. I don't let HR write them. You know, um, I write the job recs because there's, I know there's specific things I'm looking for and there's specific things that are required, you know, and, um, and typically the things that are required are all going to be around specific skills and experience or specific soft skills that I'm looking for. Um, and then things that are optional will be around degrees and will be around certifications, you know, and then, you know, and then I might put, you know, at the bottom, you know, nice to have, you know, you might get extra points if you've got, you know, some of these things, but I've, I've never, you know, even when I was in DOD and, and civil service, I would go ahead and say, you know, you know, they would say college degree required or professional certs in, in lieu of, you know, degree. You know, so I would look for, you know, certs and experience in lieu of a degree just to try to get around that, you know, because I didn't want somebody, okay, I've got a college degree, but you don't know shit about putting a network together, <laughs> you know, in lieu of, okay, you've got four or five certs and an associates. Okay. I'll take you, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. You know, you, I, and I, I've had to actually walk multiple HR teams through, you know, even ones where I've gone and interviewed as a CISO trying to get into a role, I get turned down. And then I reach back and ask, you know, hey, you know, what could I have done better? You know, da, da, da. And I get a chance to actually talk with the HR team. And I'm like, okay, you know, hey, good to go. I understand. I'm just not the fit that you're looking for. But understand, you guys just job wreck. You understand this is written for a unicorn. This is written for something you, you know, you've been trying to hire for six months. And there's a reason why you haven't found a CISO for this role. You guys got that right. And they're all looking at me like, what? You know, and then I walked them through and explained to them, you know, CISOs follow a career path like anybody else. And they tend to have specific skills. And what you're looking for is 0.01%. You know, there's very, you very rarely have a CISO that also knows product and also knows how to code AI and also knows how to do, you know, just stuff that just off the wall. You don't have CISOs that know that, you know, and, um, and and it kind of applies to the same thing when you're you're trying to explain to them that okay I need a security analyst and my job rec you don't take an IT network analyst position and just throw in a couple of security terms and say okay oh it's the same thing it's not you know it's a totally different type of education and skill sets and experience you know and I I heavily encourage you know for CISOs that uh, don't let HR write your rec you know just because there's not a large database out there for them to pull from. Right. So a lot of, there's a lot of IT stuff, not cybersecurity stuff. And so they'll take IT stuff and kind of, you know, bastardize it a little bit, add a little bit here, a little bit there. And it's almost like a Frankenstein experiment. And then they turn it loose. And then you can't understand why you've been waiting four months to hire this security engineer and you're still waiting. 
Yeah, I, I, I've been pretty good about writing my job recs. I think my complaint is, you know, I'll hand it over to HR to post it. And then I go to the website and I'm like, they've added four requirements, right? Kind of like, you know, the disclaimer, right? And they're yeah. like, uh, college degree required. And I'm like, no, no, I specifically wrote college degree not required. College degree is an advantage, but not required. Certs or passion or, you know, soft skills. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, experience matters more, I think, that, that, than that. And I'm not dismissing, again, a lot of people think I'm very, I get a lot of emails from people say, James, why do you hate college degrees so much? And I go, I don't, I don't hate college degrees. Um, I just feel like college isn't for everyone. Um, college wasn't for me. I did two and a half years of college and I never finished. I mean, it just, it wasn't for me, but I went on and I became an entrepreneur and, and, and I sold several companies and now I'm, I'm, I'm in security. So I did my certs. <laughs> And the way I look at it is, I mean, I've got multiple college degrees. My sons have college degrees. I'm not good or bad dealing with them. I just don't think they should be the only defining character, you know, the only defining thing that you're looking for to hire somebody. But they turn off because of the automated HR process. And I don't want to make this an HR conversation. We're going to transition from this here in just a second. I think it's it's great to have your voice kind of on this because you are one of the leading voices in our community. And so, you know, a lot of the HR processes are automated, right? Where if you don't have a college degree and they scan your CV and college, you don't have anything on there, you're automatically disqualified and you're disqualifying a candidate that you and I would probably love to have on our team. Because guess what? He volunteers at B-Sides. He's in the Capture the Flag competitions at RSA and DEF CON and Black Hat. You know, he's he's, uh, active on Discord and Slack channels. He's within the community. Um, And we'd love to have that person. And then, you know, a month or two after this person applies and they get rejected, you see a post with your job rec on LinkedIn and you go, how could I not get it? And and you kind of reach out to that person and you go, I didn't know you applied for the job. You know, then you reach out to HR and they go, oh yeah, the system automatically filtered them. And you're like, ah, automation, yeah. right? Like you love it, but you learn to hate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And even and even as as a CISO, you know, you're a senior level security executive, and you see this new CISO role over the company that you're just like, oh, this would be amazing, and you go ahead and apply for it, and you never hear back, you never hear from them or anything, right? And then you you just basically realize, yeah, you know, the system ate your resume, you know, you never got a chance to find out what you know what buzzword were they looking for that you know, did you in. So I've so people have been teaching me tricks, and I guess for all of our listeners, even CISOs who are looking for other jobs, um, go to the job description and copy some of the language that they use under job description and add it into your CV. And apparently, that gets you in. Apparently, that's the trick. That's how you manipulate the algorithm. Yeah, which really sucks that you have to do that. <laughs> well, I'd rather, I would rather just talk to a person and just see am I a fit or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, but, I, yeah, I, I. Completely agree. So let's talk a little bit about cybersecurity. As a CISO, you've you've transitioned. You were before at um, before SoftBank. You were at Webroot, right? Yep. And and so um, if we talk a little bit about you know being a CISO role, where do you spend the where did you where do you or where did you spend the most time on as a CISO? Where did you find yourself being you know divulging most of your time? Um, the thing about it is is that you know it really depends on the company. You know, and where the company is in their, you know, in their, in their road to maturity, you know, the way I kind of explain it. And what I mean by that is, you know, um, 
like when I got to the city of San Diego, there, you know, they didn't really have, they'd never had a CISO. They didn't really have a formal security team. And so I spent a lot of time uh, managing up and managing, you know, outward, you know, and setting up champions in the various departments so they could understand why we mattered and what we were doing as we slowly built out the program. Now, when I got the web route, the, um, I reported to the CFO, I was part of the C-suite, the office of the CISO was already in place. You know, and so I didn't manage up so much. Instead, I managed across, you know, because we were dealing with a lot of, we had a lot of technology projects that we needed, needed to put in place. Um, there was a lot of, um, you know, just some basic hygiene processes that we needed to establish on how the various security teams were going to operate with each other and how we would go ahead and interface with IT and how we would interface with GRC and, you know, the other different teams. And then when I, you know, came to SoftBank, um, I'm their first CISO, you know, and I was building a security program from scratch. And so, again, I managed outward again. You know, I'm working with legal, risk, compliance. You know, um, I'm dealing with internal audit. Um, I've done like eight audits, you know, since I've been here for all kinds of international regulatory agencies. Um, you know, I spent I spend an extensive amount of time working with IT because our stacks are intertwined and we work extremely close together. You know, um, so again, I mean, it just, it depends on where the company's at. You know, if companies are more mature, it's less technical and it's more strategic, you know, and it's more strategic and you're dealing with, you know, leaders and business units and you're dealing with the enterprise view of security and how you are interconnected into that and how service-wise, how you're doing and what you need to adjust when they make changes. If the company is, you know, new startup, less mature, you know, small company, you're probably doing more technical. You're you're really involved in hygiene. You're really involved in the basic security controls. You know, everything from patch management and security scanning and endpoint security. And you're trying to make sure you get those right and you put the policies behind them and that your team, you know, builds the muscle memory of dealing with logs and pulling reports and working daily in operations. You know, so you're more technical focused. You know, so that's what I'm saying is that, you know, the business itself and where they are at, when you are there as a leader, they actually will influence you as to which way you go. You know, it's just good that I'm very good at technical and strategic <laughs> and I can do both. But, you know, um, and it is. I mean, it just depends on the life cycle of the company, you know, where they're at. Yeah, it's 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 very true. I'll tell you that um, I work with several startups, and there's there's joys and there's reasons why I have white hair in my hair and in oh, my beard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so funny, but I feel like the more CISOs I speak with, the more whiteness um, and gray comes in. Right, like you know, it's 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 fascinating. But with startups, I'll say one of the most rewarding aspects of doing security, and I think it's very underrated. It's, yeah, you don't have the mega budgets, but you're able to start looking at security from the ground up. So you're able to build a very, very strong foundation so that when the budgets start coming in, as the company matures, as it takes on more capital, as it's adopting more clients and it's bringing on enterprise partners, you're really able to build out the program. And if you're able to kind of withstand those first several years of just, you know, you're in the Navy. So think of just the rough seas that you're that you're taking on. You're you know, it's it's very rewarding. 
And that's been like one of the most rewarding things in, in, in my career is working with these startups because I find that if you're able to get to the founders, to those leaders early on and explain how security early on in their business can impact them and help their company mature, grow faster, um, it helps them raise better capital. And that's been the case with one of the startups I, I, I work with. Um, the, the the three founders, you know, we sat in a room and they go, well, why do we need to do all these things? And I'm like, listen, it's going to help us raise capital because when you go to an investor and they start to do due diligence, if you're this far ahead, they're going to your valuation is going to be higher. Strategically, you can ask for more money because you're you're doing the things the right way. And and overall, it's going to help you um, uh, scale better. And that did work. Um, it was funny enough, but three months ago they came back and they had raised you know seventeen million dollars in their Series A round, and they went. You know, they were asking for ten, but they got seventeen because the investors went. Well, guess what? You guys are on the right track for security. We want to budget and give you a little bit more for security. We want to give you more for marketing. We want to scale you guys quicker, so we want to give you more money so you can scale quicker because you're already way ahead of it. Whereas sometimes you know you you, you know this uh, also from working with companies, they get to a Series A and it's a half baked product that's in POC stages a lot of times um, kind of stepping out of POC but there's still a lot of work to do and you're raising a lot more money um, not to scale but to fix all the things that weren't really thought of in the startup phase as you were building your POC and so there's an aspect to that so you know, I, I've spoken about my most rewarding kind of projects and so forth. What are some? What, what's maybe the, the the you know the most interesting cyber project you worked on? Um, I would say probably what I'm doing right now at um, at Softbank. You know, Softbank's interesting because uh, we're 100 percent cloud. And so the security stack is very different, you know, uh, when you really think about it. You know, data, you know, security moves down to the data layer. It moves down to the endpoint. Um, and so, and then also being a regulated entity, you know, you're required to go ahead and prove how you're protecting data. You're required to make sure, you know, no insider trading, you know. And so you're, the way you design the stack shifts, the technologies you put in place, you know, shift. Um, even with our SIM, you know, we use Sumo Logic and the dashboards we're building and the technology we're integrating into it, the views and data that I want to look at, you know, everything, you know, uh, changes. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's very different. You know, I don't have to worry about things that are on-prem, you know, so much. Instead, I'm looking at the fact that, you know, with it being on the endpoint, I'm more focused now on what my employees are doing with the endpoints at their home. I'm focused on when they're on travel. I'm focused at where the data's at and who's accessing it. It's um, it's 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 a different security puzzle. It's something that I haven't, you know, I've been so busy trying to deal with on-prem stuff and servers that were aging out and, and racks of equipment that we need to get rid of. And now somebody else has that headache. That's not my headache. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, instead I get to be more strategic and, and you know, and build something that, you know, that is fully integrated in cloud. And we're doing a lot more of now of okay, you know, are we be are we able to see very you know certain things? Are we able to verify it? You know, and how do we document this? And you know, um, I'm actually having fun. You know, I have to admit, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. You know, and I still have to deal with regulators. You still have to deal with auditors and being able to prove everything and write policy and make sure you got controls in place and all that stuff. That's just part of being in cybersecurity. But 
you know the uh, so that's what I'm saying is it isn't really one thing. It's just this this overall process over the last 16 months of being able to build a security program from scratch that's 100% integrated in cloud has been just a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for the crowd as a, for the cloud as a CISO because you're right. Um, and it's like I said, working with startups, um, being able to influence them to not have servers but go directly into the cloud, start building in the cloud. Um, it's very different, very different from having racks. The headaches are different, oh, yeah. and you know the hygiene issues that you have to worry about are different. The yeah, it's just uh, yeah, you, you do you know when you're looking. When you're building things out, I mean, I usually start with CIS 20. Go ahead and get that. If I get about 65%, then I'm good enough to jump over to NIST. And then even when I you know, jump over to NIST CSF and get a baseline, and then I'm like strategically looking at, okay, which set of projects did we do core first? you know, And then I bring the other business units in and have them throw their input in so I better understand from a business perspective what we should be working on. But, you know, again, you know, a lot of these things are SaaS related. A lot of these things are, you know, okay, I'm going to have to spin up a couple of servers, you know, and then you start thinking, you know, hey, we're regulated. All right, we've got to store this data. How long we got to hold this data for? You know, we got to prove no one's got access to it. You know, the, you know, just the encryption issues start, you know, clicking through your head. Yeah, it's, after me, it's been a, uh, it's been an ongoing puzzle that keeps on giving. (laughs) But it's a fun puzzle. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't comprehend how much fun it is just to to look at a multi-cloud environment and try to build it across you know data and 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 and, and, and uh, you know and, and spooling up servers and and you know devops and and all the different environments and and containers and and I, I don't, oh man like it I, I have a whiteboard behind this screen and it's a whiteboard that's not hung right it's a, it's a whiteboard that I, I have whiteboards hanging all over my office but I have one whiteboard that's huge that I don't hang it's actually on the floor and I'm like a little kid when I'm drawing and I'm whiteboarding right yeah. different problems problems i'm sit on the floor and i just whiteboard it kind of like a little kid drawing in his notebook and my wife will walk in on me sometimes and go what are you doing and i'm like well you know i'm I'm, I'm whiteboarding some architecture and she goes why don't you just hang this whiteboard and i'm like one i'm not a good handyman can't hang a whiteboard that large like it'll probably be like you know like hanging my map my world map took me like 20 minutes just to try and get it even so it doesn't look twisted right so i go you know i'm not very good at and number two like when you're able to look down at something i feel like you get a different vision you get a different perspective i could probably see that yeah it's like looking down a clear box there's an aspect to seeing things working on the inside um that that's different i don't know if you've ever been on a boat with a glass bottom that's what i like attribute it to right like having a whiteboard on the floor is kind of like being on a boat with a glass bottom you're looking down you see the fish under you and if you see a shark coming up you freak out but you know overall it's okay i'm more scared of dolphins than sharks we've had that conversation before yeah, we were left <laughs> um so you know, as, as a veteran of our industry, as one of the thought leaders, um, what do you think is something that we as a cybersecurity community have started to really overcome? It's a problem that's maybe been around that we've maybe are starting to see the uh, light at the end of the tunnel, per se. You know, I think, you know, the the diversity issue 
um, is now more public. It's more visible. There's a lot more um, groups now that I see, you know, for people of color and for women, you know, in cyber. And I think it's a good thing. You know, I mean, I think diversity just makes us smarter. It makes us better. You know, you bring in more people with different views, different skills. And um, and that's what I, I'm I'm, I'm loving it. I mean, it's like, it's something that myself and Chris Roberts and several others have been preaching about for years and, you know, and fighting with people about that, you know, the, uh, we only get better through it. And, and what, and what I like now is there's, there's more organizations that are active. There's more groups that are coming out. There's more, even more podcasts that are coming out that, you know, that have that. And it's something that I'm, I'm really excited to see. You know, and I'm extremely happy that, you know, when I when I get a chance to go on one of those podcasts or talk with people that are involved in these in these various communities, there's veterans in all of them. Yeah. yeah. And that just, that just says something about the community that we come from, you know, and uh, but, yeah, it's something that I am. Um, I'm extremely happy that we are, and I, and, but I still think that we've got a long ways to go, you know, and that, you know, we just can't give up. We're just getting started. And I'm also big for neurodiversity. You know, um, you know, I've worked with people that have, are, that have had autism or that are in, you know, that are in the spectrum that are still brilliant, that still bring things to the team, that still bring, you know, that, that are, that are exceptional. You know, you just have to, you work with them differently, you know, you, and, and I'm just like, you know, it's just a different type of diversity. It's just a different type of skills. You know, uh, they're they're just differently enabled. I don't look at them as being disabled. They're just differently enabled. And I look at, okay, how do I integrate them? What do we got to do so that we can work together? You know, and I have two sons, you know, who are now in their 20s. You know, one's, you know, doing school in IT and other one's actually working in data science. And both of them, you know, um, have uh, forms of autism. You know, and, and the kids are amazing. You know, seeing the world through their eyes is humbled me and has made me realize that you know the more diverse we are the stronger we are and um i'm extremely excited to see that as a, as a community we're starting to embrace that yeah um i'll second diversity i'll third diversity and i'll fourth diversity one thing that is very often not discussed um is i wouldn't say the lack of diversity but but i'd say the lack of appeal in cybersecurity to create a diverse workforce meaning we've made it seem like we only need people who can code and write python and engineer and architect and we need so much more um you know grc is something thing that you know I, I look at veterans that are coming out of combat and they go well I want to get into cyber what should I look at and I was like go to GRC and they go really why and I'm like well because it's a lot of strategy it's a lot of planning it's a lot of compliance I go you know it'll be perfect for you you know combat people are, are people who love to strategize or are always looking to solve stuff they're quick on their feet so they're able to you know kind of quickly come up with stuff I go and if you really like that then get into it or go do a boot camp in cyber and see what you like you know stuff like that I feel like there's um there's a need for more diversity um but we're starting to adapt to it. And you're right. There's more podcasts. We're seeing more groups come up. I'd like to see a more united um, front. Like one of the things I insist on is even doing our veteran day, uh, our, vet, our um, veteran November uh, episode series. I, I now have a um, a banner that I'm making and it's got everyone I've had on the show, 26 individuals. And guess what? I've got men, women who would have thunk it. Right. But guess what? I've got white, black, Asian, Arab, Indian, 
Pakistani, um, you know, all these different nationalities within our armed forces, right? And all of these people are an infosec, and that just shows you the amount of diversity um, that that that's within our industry. And and yes, we need to get more and we need to get better, but we don't need to separate. Meaning, we need to integrate it into our bigger shows. We need to integrate diversity into the cybertechs, the RSAs, the DEFCONs, the black hats. It, it, it needs to be part of it, and not just in in a side event, but on stage. It needs to be a panel shouldn't be four men, and and a woman model. But a panel should be two, two women, two men, and a moderator, right? Like those are the kind of stuff I look at that really show me the progress. Um, and, and I think that's critical. All right, folks, we are wrapping up here. And before I send um, Gary on his merry way, we do have something um, here, Gary. I like to call it the CISO Insight Round. It's kind of like my fire round. Um, six questions. And I'll take you right through it, folks. So here comes our CISO insight round. Here we go, Gary. So I've got a buzzword graveyard in my backyard. I have a very nice wooded Georgian backyard. Um, What's one buzzword you'd bury in my backyard? Uh, Defense and death. (laughs) I don't think uh, David and Alan are going to be happy with you right there, but... (laughs) Yeah, I can hear Alan. Brother, what are you doing? <laughs> what? I love their podcast. I'm not talking their podcast. I'm just saying defense and death. I'm, I'm freaking tired of that shit. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for two weeks in a row now, we've had brand new words. Um, Defense in depth, you're the first to actually bring it up. So I'm going to have to go and dig a six foot hole. I think my daughter's got a date next weekend, so it'll be perfect. I'll dig it, bring the boy out back and show him the, the, you know, the the little burial hole, uh, the graveyard. And I'll be like, if you touch my daughter, I'll bury you there. Um, That'll be good. (laughs) Um, What's one technology that'll change the way we do cybersecurity? Uh, um, you know, it's. I have to admit, I mean, I, I, I still think it's still growing and it's still changing, but just you know, um, I'm getting more and more involved with you know how AI and machine learning are used algorithm-wise, and uh, I, I honestly, you know, when everybody when everybody talks about it, they just look at it and say. You know, hey, we just use it and it helps us go through the bad guy stuff and find this. There's so many other nuances with that. And I'm learning a lot more from my son, you know, through data science. And it's just amazing. And, you know, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to the other 90% of the stuff that that technology does that cybersecurity doesn't use it for. I'm waiting for it to really mature. And, uh, yeah. I agree with AI and machine learning. So what's the last book you read? Um, the last book I read was I'll go over here and pull it. Uh, you can see it. Call sign chaos. Yeah, General Mattis. Dude, I freaking love the book. <laughs> I I just ordered it. I literally just ordered it this weekend. It's the yeah. one. I I wish he did the Audible. I hate the Audible when the author isn't reading the book. Yeah. When like yeah. they get a different voice reading the book, um, what's the last movie you saw? Uh, Doom. Doom, awesome. What's your favorite music? Uh, Crowder. Crowder, it's, awesome. Praise music. Yeah. So, so what's <laughs> what's one thing you took away from the COVID nineteen crisis? 
Um, it helps having a nice back cave to hide out in. You know, <laughs> you know what, honestly, what I'm pointing out, the um, you've got to get out every once in a while. I understand that you know you're supposed to hunker down. You got your mask. You're doing it. You're and you know we're doing what, what what we need to do. I swear to God, you got to get out every, every once in a while just to meet human. You know, and we're starting to do like here in San Diego. You know, a bunch of us local CISOs. You know, once a month, you know, I'll get together with one of them for lunch. You know, we show up masked. We're doing what we're supposed to do. You know, we sit outside. We do our thing. But just being able to talk to a human, you know, it makes me. Re- you know, you really learn. You know, just, um, yeah, you can work remotely, do everything remote, but having that human interaction is, I think, extremely critical as well. Brilliant. Folks, Gary. Hey, Slip, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Gary. You've been uh, a a treasure of information. I appreciate it. Um, We're going to have more veteran episodes for those that are watching us on YouTube and have missed all the previous ones. If you are now tuning in and you're just watching this, make sure you go back and um, listen to the uh, episode that we published yesterday for Veteran November with Gary Hayslip talking about his military and inspiring us all of how to transition. That's it for us here today, folks. We'll be back with more tomorrow, another episode of Veteran November. Happy Veteran Days for all my fellow veterans. Gary, thank you so much for your service. Thank you for all that you do for not only veterans, but the InfoSec community. You are a real champion, sir. Thank you, buddy. And uh, again, thank you for your service as well. Folks, A lot more coming back tomorrow. Until then, stay healthy and stay cyber safe. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues. And get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. 